Now, for the rest of you, we're going to start with a little exercise. All right, so you can go ahead and get get your arms warmed up. We're going to start with a little exercise, not a physical exercise. We're going to start with a mental exercise. And here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to give each side a stack of papers and a handful of pens. I want each person, as long as we have enough paper, if we need more, we'll get more. Here's what I want you to do. I want everybody to take a piece of paper, and when your row's done, pass it back, please. Just take a minute here. Everybody get a little piece of paper. And then we have pens here. If you all need some pens, we get, does anybody need pens? I'm just kidding. <laughs> if, you, if you need a pen, Kaylee, anybody else need pens? I don't want to throw at the baby. I'm not going to hit the baby. Anybody else need pens? My corn, my cornhole toss is really good, isn't it? See that? All right. Not everyone has to have a pen. If you have a neighbor with a pen, please do so. Because um, these are my wife's pens, y'all, and I need them back. Yeah, y'all can share a pen. Okay, so listen. Everybody take it. Pass it back. Where's the paper at? How far have we made it? We're just waiting on you all to start. We're out? Are you serious? Yeah, we're going to do like Jesus did with the few loaves here. Here, I need help, y'all. Now... Everybody's got to have a little piece because look at Jared. Jared's doing something. How far have we made it? Okay. This is for all of y'all in this area. Everybody good back here? Yeah, if you have a bulletin, you can use your bulletin too. You're going to get rid of it here in just a minute. I counted so many papers, I cut it in half, and I cut it in half again, and I guess I underestimated how many people would be here today, so I'm sorry. So let's, let's finish this up. We're just waiting on Emily to finish up. <laughs> We're going to blame it on Emily. All right, does everybody have paper? I can give you the back side of my notes if you want that. <laughs> You'll take the last two pages of my notes. All right, is everybody good? Okay, here's what we're going to do. We're going to start with you for just a moment. I'm going to ask you, this is between you and the Lord, all right? You don't need to t- share this with your neighbor if, if you feel uncomfortable with it. it this is just you. I want to come right for you today, right at the beginning, so we can, we can kind of peel it out and, and make it better at the end. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to write down something that you are struggling with today. Maybe it's a habit. Maybe it's a thinking pattern. Maybe it's a, a lifestyle that you have. Maybe it's a sin that no one knows about. I want you to write down a sin 
a lifestyle or something that you need to be set free from. So here's, here's a way that you can help answer that. Well, I don't know what it is that I need to write down. So here's an easy way to consider this. Would I do that or this or think that way or speak that way if Jesus were physically sitting beside me now? Would I, in, in doing blank, would Jesus join me and participate or would he be upset and offended? So if you're wondering, well, I don't struggle with anything. I don't have anything hidden. I, I'm not living with anything. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to write down something that you are struggling with, a sin that you need to be set free from, forgiven of, and you need to repent of. And I want you to write it down. I want you to be honest with yourself. You don't have to share this with anyone around you. It's just between you and the Lord. So I want you to do that. Here's what I want you to do. When you write it, if you didn't write anything, then I want you to preach today. All right? Somebody, if you don't have any any imperfections, you're preaching next week, in fact. Um, but here's what I want you to do. And you could write down things like alcoholism, fits of anger, jealousy, gossip, self-righteousness, judgment towards others, adultery, pornography, idolatry, division. I mean, I mean, the list could go on and on and on. Who needs more paper? <laughs> Some of you all need more paper. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to fold that piece of paper and I want you to put it in your pocket. Just put it in your pocket. And then we're going to get started. So when you write it down, I want you to put it in your pocket for the time being. And then I want you to open your Bible to Luke chapter 6. You can just hold all the pens whenever you're done. Today, as you exit, just put them on the foyer table, please, and I'll grab them there. Do not throw them at me unless I start preaching real bad. Then you have full permission to chuck them. So Luke chapter 6 is where I want you to turn to after you put that in your pocket. And as you turn to Luke chapter 6, I have to tell you a very short story. I was around the age of 5 or 6 years old, and um, my brother and my younger sister and I would go to my great-grandparents' house, and they would watch me. And... Whenever I was very young, I would go to my great-grandparents' house in Springtown. Anybody know where Springtown is? And, and that's, where they, that's where they lived. And I would go there because my, my parents were working. And, and, you know, if school was canceled, we would go there because my grandparents were young. I was, uh, my parents were young when I was born. And with them working, uh, you know, being of working age, my grandparents were of working age. Therefore, we would go to my great-grandma and grandpa's house, and, and we would be there a lot. That's where I learned not to eat a sucker while lying down because it can be dangerous. Uh, it's also where I learned, and I remember my late grandpa one time telling me as I was there on a snowy, icy day, and we were leaving the house to go out into the yard for whatever reason. I don't know why. But, I, you know, I, I, I was cold, and I didn't have gloves with me, I guess, so I put my hands in my pocket. I can, I'll never forget this. My great-grandfather told me, don't walk with your hands in your pocket because you might just fall. And if your hands are in your pocket, you can't catch yourself. So me being me, what did I do? I just walked with my hands in my pocket. And I remember shortly after he told me that, and me being cold, and me being young, and me being myself, my you know dumb self that I am, uh, here I am walking around you know, with my hands in my pocket, and I remember hitting a patch of ice and landed right on my tailbone. 
didn't break or anything. It just hurt. You know, it just, I just landed right on it. I wasn't able to catch myself like my grandpa warned me about. I remember him telling me, don't walk with your hands in your pockets because you might just fall. So Luke chapter 6, starting in verse 6, this is what the Bible reads. On another Sabbath, he entered the synagogue and was teaching. And a man was there whose right hand was withered. And the scribes and the Pharisees watched him to see whether he would heal on the Sabbath so that they might find a reason to accuse him. But he knew their thoughts, and he said to the man with the withered hand, Come and stand here. And he rose, and he stood there. And Jesus said to them, I ask you, is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do harm, to save life or to destroy it? And after looking around at them all, he said to him, Stretch out your hand. And he did so. And his hand was restored. But they were filled with fury and discussed with one another what they might do to Jesus. So if you were to read the first five verses of Luke chapter 6, you would find that Jesus and his disciples on a Sabbath were walking and they were plucking the heads off of grains and they were eating, which would be considered work. And that was one of the tens of laws that you could not do on the Sabbath. You couldn't travel so far. You can only travel up to, but not more than a mile. You could not work. You could not do anything on the Sabbath. And and not that there's anything wrong with taking time to rest as God commanded them, but there was a time where Jesus and his disciples were plucking the heads off and and eating, and Jesus confronts the Pharisees about this. And then the Bible says in verse 6, on another Sabbath, Jesus entered the synagogue. And he began to teach. Now, here's a few things I want to point out, uh, and then we'll move into the application of this text to you and me in 2022. First and foremost, we see that Jesus made it a habit to participate in Sabbath day meetings. As much as he could, he was there and he was teaching and he was preaching and he was speaking the word of God. So what's important for you and me is to make it a habit to be in the house of the Lord with his people. Make it a habit to be in Bible study as often as you can with his people. Because what we see here is Jesus is teaching the many people. We don't know how many is in attendance on this particular day. But there were people that may not have known who Jesus was, but Jesus was able to reveal himself through his teaching on this particular day. So where you and I learn, just as these people learned, is by the word of God. Our faith come by hearing and by hearing the word of the Lord. So you and I need to make it a habit to be in the house of the Lord, to be in Bible study with one another, not just because we have to, not just because people are dragging us to it, but it's where we grow in the knowledge and understanding of the Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, we can walk closer with him, we can know his word better, and we can be greater hands and feet of his on the earth. So first we we see that he demonstrates to us that it was a habit of his to be with his followers on the Sabbath days and on every opportunity he had, he would preach and be with them. Next, we see the Pharisees questioning Jesus because he had already broken one of their Sabbath rules of plucking the heads off the grain so they could eat. And Jesus says, hey, don't you remember what David did where he ate from the bread of presence and he gave it to all? And that was forbidden, but he did that. Well, here we see the religious leaders coming and attacking Jesus because there are times where 
God's ways are greater than our ways. There's times where we institute policies or we institute uh, doctrines or we may institute disciplines in our home or even beliefs in our own personal life that at times may not necessarily align with the way and the word of the Lord. Therefore, we have to be we have to be humble enough to admit that God's ways are higher than our ways, his teaching higher than our teaching, and his understanding and wisdom greater than ours. So what we see is there is a big clash between the religious and the prideful people of his day and Jesus. And we have to be humble enough to understand if God's word sometimes will punch us in the gut whenever we're living in one way or another, we cannot be mad at God because of it being his word, we have to evaluate our own hearts and our own lives and be humble enough to repent of our sin or, or not to be mad at a preacher or a teacher who may preach on a particular topic that we're uncomfortable talking about because we want God's word to be manipulated to justify the way that we are and the things that we do. So there are times where God's way, God's word, will sometimes clash with the way that I want his word to look like, the way I want to live. Next, we see Jesus demonstrates two things. He demonstrates his power and authority on this day. Jesus demonstrates his power and authority. So he demonstrates his power and the ability to heal a man's hand while just speaking to the man. He did not do any you know, kind of uh, ceremony. There wasn't any kind of herbs or, or anything there. There was no uh, procedure to it. It was literally just by the word of Jesus, this man's hand had been restored. So he demonstrates his power in that way, but then he also demonstrates his authority to do such an act or speak such a word on the Sabbath day, which was forbidden by the people and their law. But Jesus did not necessarily break any of their laws because he actually did no work. He just spoke. And speaking was not forbidden on the Sabbath day. Jesus, with his authority and being who he is, just speaks to the man. The man's hand was was healed. But what he also demonstrates to us is that he is the Lord of the Sabbath. Jesus is the Lord of the Sabbath. And that's another conversation for another day that we don't have time to get to. But he's wanting to, he's wanting to penetrate the hearts of these religious people who have put so much emphasis on their actions and their obedience to the rules that they are forgetting or they're missing out on the Lord of Lords. They're missing out on Jesus himself. Now here we get to the man with the withered hand. And this is where you're going to come into play in just a moment. And this is where we're going to get to your pocket. So the man with a withered hand. There's two things. Well, there's probably more than a two, but I want to just mention two things that scholars believe happened with this man. We do not necessarily know when this man's hand had been injured or become withered. Withered is just a term, but it could have been injured. It could have been broken. It could have been, it could have been truly withered and, and inoperable. So two things that likely would have happened with this effect. His work was affected. The man had one strong hand, one withered hand, one injured hand, or one ultimately almost destroyed hand. Therefore, he was not able to work as well or as often or do as much as he was able to do prior. And when his work life was affected, that means his livelihood would likely be affected, which means he may not be able to provide for his family like he once could. 
which means he may have to depend on other people. So, so for a man's livelihood to be affected, it also attacks his pride, his confidence in himself. So, so whenever I can't do something, when a man can't do something, we immediately think that we're lesser than all of existence and we feel like we're a loser and a disappointment to the world. And if there was a man in here that says, no, I've never felt that way, then they'd probably be lying because there's times where men can't do things. And I will tell you, it would drive them absolutely crazy when they can't do it. This is why we do really dumb things trying to prove that we can. And some dumb things are funnier than others, but some dumb things are very, very dangerous. But we think that we can do anything. So this man's livelihood has been affected. And they also write that this man would have likely walked around with his hand in a cloak or in a pocket. Now, they didn't have the jeans that you and I would wear today with the pockets and the five pockets and, and maybe the, the carpenter's hook for whatever the, the reason they put it there. Um, you know, I, I'm not, I think it's, for the, it's either for the hammer or to get hung up or whatever they want to do. Uh, but, but they didn't have the clothes that we wear today. They would have wore a cloak and an outer garment and they would have put it on. But this man, if he was around people that he did not know, would have attempted to do everything he could to keep his right hand hidden. Right here. Just, just walking around, not wanting anyone to see that there was something wrong with him. And it was something that maybe he didn't necessarily want. But there was no, nonetheless an issue that this man was afraid to expose to the world. We don't know how many people in this congregation on this particular Sabbath day that Jesus began to preach and teach knew this man. It's evident that they may have known of him because they were already looking at Jesus to, and wondering if he was going to heal or not on this Sabbath so there's a good understanding and possibility that some of the religious leaders knew exactly what was wrong with this man. And they were wondering if maybe just maybe Jesus would heal this man so that they could have something to accuse Jesus of. Therefore, they could put him to death even earlier. And as I said, he would walk around and he would cover his hand as often as possible. And this is the question I want to just pose for us today. Here's the question I want to suppose today. What is it that you're walking around hiding in your pocket and hoping no one else will see? This physical healing was done for God's power to be displayed through Jesus to heal this man physically. But it is also a powerful illustration for us today to know that as he heals physically, he's able to heal and restore and, and forgive spiritually. So not only is he able to heal us physically, but he's able to truly redeem us and make us new by a spiritual healing. Whenever we come to faith in Christ, we can be made new. We can be set apart. We can be a new creation. So what I want us to do today is I want us to just examine what it is maybe that you wrote down. Maybe there's things that you should write down more than the one thing or the two things. And the question is, what is it today that we are carrying around in our pockets hoping no one to see? No one to see. Because if they knew this man's hand was withered, they may begin to judge him or look at him differently. If they knew the addiction that you may struggle with or the temptations that you fall to, we may think of you differently. 
you know, if, if people really knew the things that you, that you struggle with or some of the sins that people continue to live in and comfortably live in, but, but do it in such a, a discreet manner that it's almost as if you're just hiding it in your pocket. No one sees it unless you were to, to share it with us. Here's, here's the danger of it. Just as my great grandfather told me 25 years ago, to be careful walking around with our hands in our pocket lest we fall, the same is true for you spiritually. The same is true for you spiritually. There are people that could be walking around with things stuffed in their pocket. You know, I'm going to, I don't want anyone to see this. I don't want anyone to know that I struggle with that. I don't want anyone to know. And and we just start putting things in there. And and we're walking around with all of these things, all of these habits, all of these sins that we can... continue to live in, struggle with, and, and wonder why we can't be, you know, why, why can't we just change? Why can't we just do something different? Why are we continuing to fall? And I would tell you more likely than not, the reason you continue to fall, the reason that you continue to hide these things, the reason you continue to struggle would be because you have yet to ask the Lord to set you free. Jesus said something about those who practice sin are enslaved to sin, but he also said something that whom the Son sets free is free indeed. So here's what I want to do today. What I'm going to ask you to do is to, as the man with the withered hand had to do, empty his pocket and stretch it out. Where did he do it? He didn't do it when he was sitting down you know, he probably was sitting in the back, you know, just hiding out and, and just trying to hide it and, and just live with it. Nobody needs to look this way. Nobody needs to know what I'm struggling with. No one needs to know what I did last night. Jesus calls him up. And it was at this place before Jesus that he emptied his pocket and his hand was restored. So here's what I want us to do today. Because I want to just warn you, be careful walking around with your hands in your pocket, trying to cover those things that you want no one to know about, because you may just fall. It may just come back to bite you three months from now whenever your marriage is falling apart, or when people have totally abandoned you, or when you have no more money and nothing to do next. If you aren't careful, the things that you walk around in your pockets today will keep you from being able to catch yourself when you need to correct yourself. Therefore, walking around with your hands in your pockets may result in you falling and doing a lot more damage. So here's what I want us to do today. First, I want you to know that forgiveness can be found in Christ and Christ alone. Not in me. I can forgive you if you've done something to me, but I cannot forgive you from the offenses that you have caused the Lord. I cannot forgive you from the things that you caused Jesus to be nailed to a cross. I mean, you can't forgive me of them. You can't forgive me of the habits I live with or the, or the mistakes that I've made or the thoughts that I've thought or the words that I've spoken. You cannot forgive me. You can think of me one way or another. And my apology or my, or my, you know, transformation or my work can make you maybe think differently of me, but, but ultimately I still have the weight of these sins on me regardless of what you think of me. You still carry the sin and the weight of that sin on you unless you empty your pockets and seek the forgiveness found in Christ and Christ alone. 
And so here's what I want us to do. Here in a moment, as we end, end this service, we're going we're gonna to pray and we're going to have our, our song as we always do. But if you're here today and you actually wrote something down and were sincere in it, I'm going to ask you to keep it folded and to come as the man with the withered hand came. And I don't want you all to just stand here because then we'd all be fighting to get to the bucket. But I have this bucket. There's nothing special about this bucket. I don't know whose it is, but it was in the building next door. So if it's yours, you can have it after church. Um, But I just grabbed it. It was the only bucket, barrel, basket, whatever this is called, that I could find. Here's what I want you to do. I want you, if you wrote something down that you've been carrying around in your pocket, hoping that no one would ever see or ask you about. See, the last thing I want to point out is this. Jesus did not ask the congregation who here needs to be healed. Did he? No, he said, you, come. He knew exactly what the man had that maybe no one else around the man knew he had. He knew exactly what physical ailment this man walked around with that maybe none of his neighbors knew. So what that means for you and me is that there are going to be things that I live with that you may not know about. There's going to be things that you may live with that I may not ever see or know about. But here's one, there is one name that knows all that I do. There is one name that knows all that you think. There is one name that knows all that you speak. And he is the same name that is able to forgive you of it. And his name is Jesus. So here's what I want us to do. As we pray, as we sing, I'm going to ask you to do two things. If there is something, and we don't need to know it, you don't need to post about it on Facebook, you don't need to tell your neighbor, you don't need to do anything but literally empty your pocket and ask the Lord to forgive you. I want you to drop it in the bucket, and then I want you to find a place here, if possible, with someone that you know or love, and I want you to just pray and ask the Lord to forgive you. Here's my goal is that as we leave this place today, our pockets will be empty. And I ain't got nothing I'm hiding. And there's nothing I'm struggling with that I'm afraid if someone were to find out that I would be exposed or that I would be this or that I would be... I I want you to be free today. I want you, if you truly wrote something down, if there's truly things that you're carrying in your pocket and hoping no one will ever find out, no one needs to know, I'm asking you to please call upon the name of the Lord to stretch out your hand, empty your pocket, drop it in the bucket. This is going to be set on fire after church. Seriously, I'm going to set it on fire after church. If you want to stay and watch, you can. It's kind of windy outside, so I might need you. I want you to stretch out your hand. I want you to drop it in the bucket. And I want you to find a place on these two steps that we would call our altar here. And I just want you to ask God to forgive you of blank. Whatever you're carrying in your pocket, I want you to just ask God to forgive you of blank. And I want you to possess the faith to know that forgiveness is found in Christ. And he who sets you free, if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. So what you need to know whenever you ask God to forgive you of it does not mean that you will never be tempted of said thing again. But it does mean that he will provide a way of escape for you when that temptation may come. 
and that you may be forgiven and set free from. Therefore, the bondage that this particular sin, habit, or lifestyle holds over you and the enslavement that you feel because of it will have to be broken in the name of Jesus. It will have to be, the chains have to be broken at Jesus' name. Forgiveness is found in Christ. And what I want us to do is to leave this place with our pockets empty and truly forgiven and truly set free from what it is that we've been carrying, hiding, pushing down far too long. If I can encourage you with this, it would be this. Do not walk with your hands in your pockets, lest you may fall. Let's pray.